why didn't you outthink him? Um, I Because he hit me before I could think of something. Well, you let it go too far. Michelle, I'm teaching you to have a mastermind, not to be a master pugilist. Huh? Look it up. That's what my mother told me when I was sitting in the principal's office for the first time after getting into a fight with a young man in elementary school. And I was shell-shocked, to say the least. But my mother insisted that it was my fault that I had let it go that far. Today, I want to talk to you about the recipe or the makings of a master mind. This is Michelle Spivan. I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So guess what? I want to see you on the flip where we get into it. In hindsight, I have to say that my mother was well qualified to talk about and to train up little masterminds. You see, she was doing something that a lot of people commended her for in the shadows, but they silently shook their head at her. Even though she was married, which was respectable at the time, she was pulling all of the weight of raising six little kids with the help of her parents. And so she had to learn how to take her income and stretch it to feed six little mouths. And it was hard for her. I've talked about in the past how my sister and I got um, a job. Well, we made a job to help out when I was nine. And over the years, becoming more and more self-sufficient to take the burden off of my mother and what it took to raise us. And today, I really want to talk about the makings of a mastermind, or as I like to look at it, the recipe for a mastermind. I was taught this way to never look at something where it is a defeat. Now, I'll say this. Because of how my mother would give us this mantra of I raise leaders, not followers, and those types of things, um, and the fact that she was a voracious reader of um of, of fiction, um, and we inherit, a lot of us inherited that from her, I started to look at the world in a different way. You see, there were characters that everyone loved, and I just could not see the big hoopla. Now, I would come to appreciate them and study them extensively, but I never saw why there was such enamor with them. And those characters were in the mystery uh, realm, uh, like your famous Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie, and the like. Father Dowling Mysteries, if you were watching TV, A Murder, She Wrote, Angela Lansbury. And I was okay with how they figured out things. And um, my grandmother, as I said before, even encouraged me to do logic puzzles to think differently. But I wanted to know, who was the mastermind who pulled this off? I was interested in that mind who that would have the best minds stumped. And so today, I'm going to be taking a look at what it takes to develop a master mind. And if we have time, why it's so important. So let's let's break this down. When you have a mastermind, uh, it 
involves a person who comes up with a plan that executes and has in um they the the definition includes the word intrinsic or uh complicated and I don't like those words. Well, let me actually not not try to do it off the top of my head as much as I'll I'll just try to read it for you. Okay, so uh, mastermind. This is the short of it. It's a plan and direction, usually complex uh, set of activities that is skillfully executed. Okay, so it's a complex project or plan or an activity that's uh, skillfully executed. So I'm fine with that. I'm even fine with the complex. I think I read somewhere else where it talked about it having to be intricate. And one of the things I found that it does not have to be quote unquote intricate for the sake of. Um, the first time I saw um, a mastermind written out in a plan was when I was reading the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And in the book, he gives a story, and I'm pretty sure you've read it. If not, please pick pick the book up because it's um, a foundational book in our society today. Um, so anyway, uh, Napoleon Hill talks about the mastermind and how a group of people can get together for a shared good. He even talked about him and his mother doing a mastermind and how he had learned that from some of the most successful minds and how they had all come up around the same time. And it was because of this mastermind. Now, that is not necessarily what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about that individual who comes up with these plans. But for the sake of that, a master mind, when it is a group of people, behaves in a manner that helps p- this group come up with ideas, inspirations, accountabilities, and all of the other different things that make that up to help them achieve their goal. Okay, so now that I've paid homage to Napoleon Hill, let's get back to the mastermind. Now, like I said before, growing up, I always wanted to know more about the person doing the masterminding. And what I didn't like is that there was always a caricature of this uh, mustache twirling over the top villain with with catchphrases of um, you can't catch me or ha ha ha, you know, are these laughs. And I was like, well, why is it that only evildoers get to be masterminds? And that took me down the rabbit hole of trying to figure it out. I mean, I read books as soon as I found out about them as a kid. Um, there were books like um, The Art of War by Sun, Sun Tzu. And reading that and looking at his military strategy and tactics um, was eye-opening. Now, I was not a gamer at the time, and uh, I found out years later that there were kids who were gamers and playing strategy games. While I was trying to read about uh, strategy, they were actually doing it. And so they were learning how to do masterminding where I was observing it. And I had to start to play catch up. So now I've read, you know, The Art of War, and I've even started to read uh, some of the the Taoist um methods. Now, think about that. Being a little girl in a small town, and I'm getting my hands on this kind of stuff, you can imagine. Um, To the point where my mother would sometimes say, you know, I know you're over there plotting my demise. (laughs) Now, now, she wouldn't say it in that way, but, you know, that's how I imagine uh, or reimagine how she would say, you know, 
tell me what you're up to. It's the quiet ones I got to worry about. And yes, even though I'm very gregarious in person, uh, the more you know me, the less I talk. And I am usually the quietest of the bunch of my relatives, but that's not saying much. So it's not that I'm a quiet person. I'm just going to say my role in my family uh, had the makings of a mastermind. And that was because of such elements as this. Now, to, to make a mastermind, a person who can come up with complex plans, projects, and activities and be able to execute them uh, with skillful expertise, it takes something and, and it takes more than just dogged determination because you can get a lot done with brute force. You can get a lot done with never taking no for an answer, but it takes a particular skill set, a mental skill set to pull off things with an eloquent grace that uh, gets the moniker of a mastermind's plan. Now, over the years, I have learned from those very uh, characters that I talked about uh, solving mysteries and crime and things, and I have appreciated them. Like, for instance, the art of deduction. Now, the art of deduction is a byproduct of having an eye for opportunities, uh, I've talked in another podcast where my mother would sometimes ask us a question like, "How many, um, how many pictures are on the on the wall in the hallway, or what color is something?" Um, and and she would she would do that to keep us on our toes to make sure that we were always aware of our environment. It was her way of keeping us protected and keeping our minds sharp, uh, but it was also a way of helping us to strengthen our skill of observation and not be so engrossed in what's in front of you that you don't take the opportunity to see all the things going around it. You know, she was the first person to uh, use that, use the word myopic to, to us. She was like, I don't want you to have um, a myopathy, you know, and we were like, she, and she was always about, look it up, look it up. And so she could have said narrow sighted, you know, or narrow minded. Yeah, she could have said that. But my mother always, like I said, she loved words and she would challenge us to go and explore what those words were because for her words were the, the magic wand that you weaved when you weave the spell of power to this day. The grimoire, um, as we know it, or a book of spells, is based on the fact that this English that we speak, if you're in an English English nation or English-speaking country, is based on grammar, which is descended from the word grimoire to speak or weave a spell. And it's the funniest thing that when Hollywood gets their hands on magic, they always resort to Latin. <laughs> Latin was the academician's language, whereas old English words that had a lilt and a rhyme to them could be put together to, quote unquote, weave a spell because they were more memorable and easier to understand by the common people. But that's for another podcast. Today, we're talking about the makings and the recipe for a mastermind. So you've got your uh, keen eye for observation. You've got your deduction. And deduction means that based on what you've seen, you can ask yourself clever things, meaning logically deduce down to 
land on something uh, based on the evidence of what you've observed. And the key about the observation that I had to learn was don't look at what is there as much as what is missing. A lot of times, masterminding a uh, process or a plan boils down to figure out to, to figuring out what's missing and giving them that, or what's missing and then figuring out why it's missing. So there's that. The next one after the observation and deduction is to have a penchant for opportunities. Always be looking for the opportunity for the gap. I have a brother who is blessed in this just naturally, uh, so much so that he is um, he does very well in his business because he has this knack for seeing the openings, for seeing the gaps, and making great use of them in a timely manner. Now, I, I have had to learn it, but him, he has this natural propensity, and I, I am always in awe of his ability to be determined once he has identified an opportunity to follow through with it. So let's, let's you know, I'm going to recap this as we're going. So the recipe, you need to have an eye for observation and deduction. You need to have a penchant for being able to sniff out, to uh, be aware of, hunt out, look for uh, opportunities. When I think of observation, I think of observation as something that is passive, that you observe and make note of. When I look at opportunities, I look at opportunities as an offense where you go and you search out, you root them out like a bloodhound looking for that one thing or those things that are hidden, but in plain sight that are there. So uh, an eye for opportunities. And opportunities are not just gaps or what is missing. Opportunities can also include um, things that the mastermind is really great at doing, and that is putting together resources. And that takes me to my next one, and that is having a command of resources. I'm going to be mentioning a um, a documentary uh, that sh- that illustrates this brilliantly. And when I talk about commanding all resources, I am not just talking about monies. I am not just talking about things. I'm actually talking about people and favors and all of that. I did a, a podcast uh, called Free is Expensive. If you haven't listened to that one, go check it out. And in that uh, Free is Expensive, I talked about the cost of a favor. And when does that cost get fulfilled? How long does it take? And if you flip that to the mastermind, the mastermind is going to be that person collecting the favors because the favors are what is expensive. And whomever holds those favors has the the upper hand and the ability to do more with more resources. Uh, So there's that. Then this is the next part. They're able to embrace the simplicity of of a matter, of a thing, of an idea, and put it together in a smoothly, smooth working uh, process with moving parts. It's one thing to understand ABCs and one, two, threes. It's another thing to form them into words. And then it's another thing to turn them into a poetic uh, um, 
uh, a poetic melody that weaves a spell around someone uh, such that they are, you you are able to alter their state. You know, so being able to find the simplicity and then put it into a process where the moving parts move smoothly. That is where that expertly and skillfully comes in when you're talking about a mastermind's plan. Now, let me jump back. I, Like I said before, when I wanted to learn more about this mastermind, and I, like I said, I caught the bug from my mother of her always talking about mastering your mind, uh, preventing things before they happen because you are controlling your narrative um, to not let things escalate, to not let um, people get the better of you. Uh, I have a podcast where I talked about the middle ground and, and, and my love of being in between the coin, in between the left and the right, straight down the middle so I could be objective. And it was because being born out of those types of things, you know, my mother knew I wasn't a fighter. I mean, well, I I would fight, but you know, she was like, that's not who you are. I don't want you being that person. I want you to use the the sharper sword, which is your mind, instead of the bluntness of your fists. You know, I remember her talking about uh, using words like "don't be obtuse," and you know, and 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 using these words that that drove me to learn more about the use of um, my mind and 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 challenging myself and and reading and doing all those things. And and I guess you can tell now if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, my love of reading and books and all of the wonderful flowers and bouquets and thought uh, presence that reading can give you when you explore through those pages of someone's thoughts and actions uh, retold through the art of the words. Okay, so let's go back through um, the, the makings of this mastermind. So this masterminder, which is a person in this instance that we're talking about, they have the gift of observation and deduction. They have the uh, forwardness of seeking out opportunities and uh, collecting favors. They command, they have a great command on multiple resources because of these favors. And then they embrace the simplicity of a thing and put it in t- and are able to put it in to a new configuration of moving parts where it works smoothly with things. That's another thing about the mastermind that you'll find the the the, the thumbprints the uh, the markings of a mastermind's plan is that it removes as much friction as possible. And when I talk about friction, that could be uh, how uh, much energy it takes to pull it off, or how uh, it adversely affects people. You know, there's something about a smooth operator that people enjoy, that they make it look as if they're invisible with what they're doing. And that brings me to the master minds that I want to highlight today. Um, now, I, of course, am going to talk about some real ones and some fictional ones. Well, real one and fictional ones, okay? So, Let's get to the master mind so you can kind of like get uh, an idea. So my first master minds 
with an S that I want to talk about are single parents. Single parents are walk among you and they are masterminds. And the reason why they are masterminds is because a lot of times single parents are making it without any uh, help from most people. And it's not because um, they have fallen out with anyone. Sometimes it's because their job has taken them to a place where they don't have family support. A lot of times they uh, have sporadic support from the other parent or the other parent may be deceased a lot of times you have single parents that never birthed their children. They're raising children that were born within their family and they're having to take on these kids to keep them out of the foster system and um, keep them from being separated. You know, so you have a lot of single parents out there who are, who were not physically birthing these children. Uh, We have an epidemic right now where a lot of people are taking on the, the, uh, I don't want to call it a burden because I don't think it's a burden. I want to call it the uh, the challenge uh, of of raising small children and having insta families, and they are masterminds. And I like that they they are able to do this, but I would love it even more if there was some kind of way for support. So there's that. And you want to talk about frictionless. The reason why I'm having to give them a shout out is because they do it without a mumbling word. They do it without complaint and they make it look easy. They, it might, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. I've, I've observed it from my mother, through siblings, through friends. It's not easy, but that mastermind has a way of making things the simplest so that the moving parts work smoothly and that it doesn't cause upheaval and friction in their lives and the lives of those that are affected. So that's the number one. The next one is this man that I never knew until recently. There, at this current time, there is a Netflix uh, documentary called The Black Godfather. I encourage you to watch it if you have Netflix. And it talks about uh, this man, Clarence Avant, and how he is the mastermind uh, behind some of the biggest moves and um deals that were done in the music industry and in Hollywood from the 60s up until now. He uh, embodied what uh, Mario Puzo's The Godfather fictional accounts talk about. He collected favors. He did stuff for people. And the thing is, is like that fictional Godfather, he never asked anybody to pay him anything. But what he did was, is he was a merchant of power and resources so that he did not have to get his reward up front for paying for, I mean, for you paying him. It was because he instinctively, because he never gave credence to, you know, trying to study anything. He, um, he used the currency of reciprocity. You know, that's quip or crow. That's you, you know, uh, you give me something and then I feel obligated because you gave me a favor. And remember, I tell you, favors are expensive. And so you've got this man moving and shaking and helping people. Now, this is the bigger part of it. He never asked them to remember him when he would need a favor. Nope. 
he never did. It was simply that he did something for you. He moved smoothly. He had a lot of working parts because he commanded a lot of resources. And people would say, if you get in trouble, you need to go to Clarence. And Clarence would be able to work behind the scenes so much so that the average person doesn't know he exists. And so this Black Godfather is a mastermind. And he is a mastermind. Most people will say, oh, he's a mastermind of, uh, of referrals. Nope. This man worked with presidents. He worked with music executives. He worked um, a lot in um, the uh, music, the uh, movies, and the political realms. And he moved swiftly and he got stuff done. When um, uh, you, we, we think of that big we are the world uh, thing with Quincy Jones, well, Quincy learned that from when Clarence Avant had done it before when he did a big concert of Save the Children using his resources to get all of these names together to do this and raise monies for these, these impoverished kids. And and so he is showing how to do this, having an eye for the opportunity, observing and deducing, uh, knowing the power of favors, being able to command vast resources and embracing the simplest way to get something done with a lot of moving parts. He is the embodiment of that. So check that out. It's on uh, Netflix. It's the Black Godfather. Now let's move to our fictionals. Okay. Now, uh, like I said, growing up, I started reading a lot, uh, trying to understand the person behind this. You know, yeah, you could say, oh, Moriarty, but the writer never really does anything from Moriarty's point of view to come up with this stuff. And that's all well and good, but I'm not evil. I don't, I don't take pleasure in someone's suffering. So I'm not, I'm not trying to go that vibe. But what I will say is, is when I finally got my hands on uh, some some uh, writings, um, it started to explode for me on how to become a mastermind. One of those, I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again, and that is The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. It's a historical account of people who wielded different powers, and uh, it has a cautionary tale behind each one of them so that you can learn how to wield this power, how to use these resources and opportunities and all this stuff I've been talking about. So the 48 Laws of Power. So I'm going to basically give you a quick, uh, fast, easy-to-digest curriculum on the making of a mastermind. So you get the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Okay, then you swing on over and you get this set of books with this character called Artemis Fowl. Now, it's written for children and it's by Owen Colfer. And I love him. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you need you need to really uh, look at this. It's a, um, um, a rich uh, evolution in the thinkings of a mastermind and how he presents it. Now, he sells this as Artemis Fowl being a 12-year-old evil mastermind who pulls off thefts to um, recushion the coffers of his family after his father has gone missing and uh, the family wealth has been diminished. And he's like I said, he's 12. But the way the character is written, it gives you insights and it has a fun little um, 
I'll, I'll just say fantasy. If you can't watch the books, then it, depending on when you're watching this, there is a movie that's uh, about to come out uh, about Artemis Fowl. I hope they do the movie justice because the books are awesome. It's an eight-book series. I'm going to uh, list uh, the first one in the show notes just to not clutter it up. Um, but Artemis Fowl, great read for adults and kids. Uh, but just caution, don't give it to little precocious kids because they will get some ideas, okay? All right, so there's Artemis Fowl. So we've got the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. We've got um, the Artemis Fowl book series. The next one is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it is really good for your mental development, to, uh, for self-discipline, to be able to refrain from wanting to do things out of order. Um, what it is, is it's an observation or even a treatise of his journey to Stoicism uh, through the likes of Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, and the others in in that Greek uh, school of thought. And I tell people to go with this one first because it will give you the taste for being able to then go to Marcus Aurelius's meditations and then the works of Seneca. And then you'll actually start to understand a little bit more of um, Socrates and how he approached things and, and, the, and the different schools of, of thought during those times. Okay, so then if, you don't, if you're not a reader, I got you. A fictional character who is a great mastermind. I like the original more than I like the uh, reboot, but either is fine. And it's this character called MacGyver. And what MacGyver manages to do is get himself into pickles every time he has an episode. He is almost about to get killed, blown up, shot, whatever. And he has usually something stupid like a pin clip a string and a can of um, shaving cream. And he manages to make some type of bomb or something to get out of his predicament. Now, I slightly call him a mastermind in that he is very narrowly focused in escapes or creating diversions with big booms. But the process by which he goes through to assemble the things to put them together will show you a great idea of the moving parts, that simplicity that I talked about, of the moving parts of the making of a mastermind. Now, I could go on and on with others, and I've already talked about Napoleon Hill giving homage to his mastermind as a group. But for right now, I'm just going to stick with these so that this gives you enough time to really embrace it. Um, recently, I was um, able to uh, do a family vacay with some some family members. And one of my, my nephews, I love my nieces and nephews, y'all. He I was like, oh my God, he's after my own heart. I asked him, who's your favorite um, superhero? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay with all of them. And I was like, well, what's the real deal? He says, I actually like the villains. I was like, you're after my own heart. And it was because he said, I like the fact that they are masterminds, you know, and what they do. Now, because I feel like I've had to rush through this, I think I might do um, a part two to the makings of a mastermind or becoming a mastermind. So guess what? My time is up. I sure do thank you for yours. And I want you to know that I appreciate your support. I appreciate all of the messages I'm starting to receive. And I especially appreciate that you're listening and you're starting to do this. I see y'all getting those books. So continue to do so. Check the show notes for book links. And as always, please support our podcast by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And guess what? I'm going to see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.